the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Wednesday. Man, we've made it to the middle of the week already, and it's going to be a wet day today. I was just checking my uh, weather app, and I use AccuWeather, so you'll know. Uh, It says we're going to have almost two inches of rain over the day and tonight. So uh, expect that when the rain starts, it's going to keep falling for a while today, and it's going to be cool out, so it's going to feel... uh, you know, it's going to feel chilly out there today. Uh, tomorrow should start clearing out. And then Friday, it looks like, uh, as you just heard, Virginia May will say, it looks like we're going to be getting back to, um, was it, her name is not Virginia. That's the actress. It's Melinda. Yeah, that's the actress. Virginia Mayo is the actress. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I've been watching so much TMC lately that. The classic actress, as Virginia Mayo was a great actress. Okay, so anyway, Melinda Mayo said that uh, this weekend's looking pretty nice. And that's good because, uh, you know, with the COVID-19 and all that, I'm glad that the kids would be able to get out and trick-or-treat. And I know, look, I know some people have said we shouldn't trick-or-treat. I'm just telling you, the kids come to my door I'm good enough that I can just kind of, and I've always done it this way. I just kind of toss the candy to them and uh, in their buckets or whatever, and that's what I'll do uh, this Halloween as well, unless I decide to sit in my lawn chair uh, at the end of my uh, garage. I haven't figured out which one I'm going to do. Maybe I'll sit there and I'll and I'll wear a mask and I'll wear a mask over my mask. I'll have my my spooky mask that I put over my regular mask. I don't know. But the Ellswick home will be open for trick-or-treating for uh, all the kids that are in our our area. It's kind of weird in my, my subdivision. We had a bunch of kids when I first moved there 15 years ago. And then they grew up. And they went off to college and stuff. and uh, And then it was like thin pickings. There might be two kids show up on uh, Halloween night. And now all of a sudden people have been selling their homes, new families are moving in, and we got a lot of kids around again. I got house in back of me, got two children, trick-or-treat age, got one across the street, got two children, trick-or-treat next door to me, one child, and I think across the street they've got a couple of kids. So I should be visited this year. So I like giving out candy. I got a bunch of candy for him, man. I'm the good guy, man. You know, you know, I don't get the little tiny, little tiny, just, you know, you get a taste of a Snickers or whatever. I give away the Snicker bars. 
So you get the you get the whole candy bar. I'm I'm the and I'm the guy you want to go see. I'm the I'm, I don't give out money now. There I don't know about now, but I know when I was a kid, there was a house that they gave out dollar bills, and we'd hit that about three times during the night. <laughs> but yeah, I hope that you take your children out trick or treating. Have have make make memories. I'm just telling you, make memories. Don't let the memories of of this Halloween be, yeah, we stayed home. No, don't do that. Go out with your kids. Have a fun time. Uh, and if you don't want somebody to come to your, just to your house, just leave the porch light off. I mean, uh, most kids are smart enough that if the porch light's out, they know that you don't want to be bothered. I mean, we know that during normal, even normal times. All right. I knew that back in the day. So uh, just... Uh, have some fun this weekend halloween of course is saturday night and then at 2 a.m sunday you fall back on your clock you got to stay up now remember you got to stay up until 2 a.m sunday morning so that you can turn your clock back (laughs) can't do that 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 joke doesn't work that well anymore because most of us have cell phones and they do it automatically you don't even have to worry about it it just does it Takes all the fun out of gags on the radio, I'm just telling you. really does. All right, uh, 11 minutes after 6, we've got some uh, guests going to join us. Uh, Lewis and Stephen are going to join us uh, here in just a moment. They're from a new show that airs here on 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer, on Saturdays from 5 until 6, called Ground Radio. And we're going to, American Ground Radio, and we're going to talk to them. Uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, Congressman French Hill will join us, and I'm not sure right now. I've uh, I put in a uh, uh, an email, but I think Congressman Westerman is going to join us today because it's uh, it's it's an every other week thing, and I wasn't here last week, and he didn't call in, so I'm figuring he's calling today, and so we'll talk him at, uh, talk to him at I guess seven thirty five, and then at uh, six o'clock. Uh, this evening, it's Joe and it's Duck, and we'll be doing uh, car stuff, just so you'll know. That's that's coming up uh, later on uh, today. I've got a, a lunch meeting i got to do down in Bryant today, so I'm going to head out for that. And then I'm going to have lunch with Ed Monk tomorrow. That's uh, that's happening tomorrow. And then next week, it's it's doctor visits. That's what next week is. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, got the urologist and all that stuff. Now, while I've got a moment, let me uh, share some sad news with you. Yesterday, I was at uh, at home, and I got a, a text message from uh, Heidi, my producer, saying uh, that uh, I had been contacted by Brian Hines and that he needed me to call him immediately, which I did. And I got some really, really... Uh, terrible, sad news. Um, you know Carl Kimball. He's been a, a part of my show for 20 years. Uh, he, Carl and I got to know each other back in 2000, and I worked with him on the Axe the Food Tax. We were trying to get rid of the food tax back in the day, and uh, he then became a part of the show, and he would show up uh, uh, from time to time. I'd invite him on, and uh, his uh, his major 
uh, in college uh, was uh, medieval history, and it was really interesting talking to him. He would come on and he would give these great history lessons, uh, which was important at that time because we were dealing uh, with the whole uh, caliphate thing going caliphate thing going on with the Muslim nations and things of that nature. And uh, he was given the history about all of that so many times. And then uh, just came on to talk politics with me. Well, I got the news yesterday that he passed away yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm, I was stunned. I think he's maybe two, three years older than I am. And the last time that I saw Carl, he was in good spirits and seemed to be in good health, told me he was feeling fantastic. He had had some work done on his foot. But, you know, at, at our age, who hasn't had work done on their foot, to be honest? And so um, I got uh, I called up uh, Brian, and he told me that he had passed away, and it just caught me totally off guard. It's like, it's one, like those things hitting you like, uh, you know, like bricks when you're told that. I had just talked to him last week on the phone, and we were talking about when we were going to get together again and go out and have a burger over at David's because uh, that's where we like to go for lunch uh, because not only do you have a great burger, but you get as many fries as you want over at David's Burger. So uh, Carl Kimball has passed away. For all of you who knew him, uh, I do ha- not have any information yet about um, uh, funeral arrangements. If I get that, I will let you know. Uh, I intend to go. I didn't bother be his wife yesterday. I uh, just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to call people right after a death. They got enough things to deal with uh, at that moment than to, to deal with a phone call for me. But I called, you know, my friends, I called Bill Lennigan over at uh, Arkansas Records and CD Exchange and Tim Jacobs and uh, David Lucas texts me. I mean, we got a pretty close-knit group of people that I've worked with over the years. And so we were all talking to each other, and all of us were shocked that he had passed away. Now, David Lucas passed on to me that he evidently uh, went, uh, left work, went home, and then went to work out and uh, collapsed while he was working out, and they couldn't revive him. So that's what I'm hearing right now. So I'll just share more with you as it becomes um, becomes. Uh, uh, known to me uh, about what's going on but carl kimball passed away uh evidently uh i think monday afternoon is when it happened so keep that in mind so i'm kind of sad today about that not kind i'm really sad about that it, uh, it it rattled me pretty good yesterday to be honest with you you don't expect to get a call at somebody you know, passed away that you just talked to not more than 48 hours ago. All right, so 616 in the morning. Let's take a break. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Well, it's a Wednesday, and again, uh, election coverage, 7 o'clock Tuesday night. It'd be me, Elizabeth, and Robert Steinbach. All right, let, uh, you didn't get to hear this yesterday, probably, uh, because the media didn't play it. They just had still pictures of it and said that, uh, you know, that uh, Barrett was sworn in uh, as a Supreme Court justice. But this is what it sounded like. We ask God to give you wisdom and courage. I know you will make us all very, very proud as long as we are loyal to our founding 
And to our fellow citizens, America's future will be bright, America's destiny will be great, and America's people will forever and always be free. I now ask Justice Thomas to administer the oath. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much. Thank you all for being here tonight. And thank you, President Trump, for selecting me to serve as an Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. It's a privilege to be asked to serve my country in this office, and I stand here tonight truly honored and humbled. Thanks also to the Senate for giving its consent to my appointment. I am grateful for the confidence you have expressed in me, and I pledge to you and to the American people that I will discharge my duties to the very best of my ability. This was a rigorous confirmation process, and I thank all of you, especially Leader McConnell and Chairman Graham, for helping me to navigate it. My heartfelt thanks go to the members of the White House staff and Department of Justice who worked tirelessly to support me through this process. Your stamina is remarkable, and I have been the beneficiary of it. Jesse and I are also so grateful to the many people have supported, who have supported our family over these last several weeks. Through ways both tangible and intangible, you have made this day possible. Jesse and I have been truly awestruck by your generosity. I have spent a good amount of time over the last month at the Senate, both in meetings with individual senators and in days of hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee. 
the confirmation process has made ever clearer to me one of the fundamental differences between the federal judiciary and the United States Senate. And perhaps the most acute is the role of policy preferences. It is the job of a senator to pursue her policy preferences. In fact, it would be a dereliction of duty for her to put policy goals aside. By contrast, it is the job of a judge to resist her policy preferences. It would be a dereliction of duty for her to give in to them. Federal judges don't stand for election. Thus, they have no basis for claiming that their preferences reflect those of the people. This separation of duty from political preference is what makes the judiciary distinct among the three branches of government. A judge declares independence not only from Congress and the President, but also from the private beliefs that might otherwise move her. The judicial oath captures the essence of the judicial duty. The rule of law must always control. My fellow Americans, even though we judges don't face elections, we still work for you. It is your Constitution that establishes the rule of law and the judicial independence that is so central to it. The oath that I have solemnly taken tonight means at its core that I will do my job without any fear or favor and that I will do so independently of both the political branches and of my own preferences. I love the Constitution and the democratic republic that it establishes, and I will devote myself to preserving it. Thank you. All right. So that was uh, Amy Coney Barrett being put on the court and uh, glad to have her there. I think uh, probably the most stalwart uh, conservative uh, that I've an originalist that I've seen go on the uh, court in a long, long time. President Trump now has put three new Supreme Court justices on the court. The last president to do that uh, was Ronald Reagan. He put three judges on the court at that time as uh, in his time as well. But that was in two uh, times that, uh, you know, eight years as president. Uh, We'll see what will happen with this president uh, because uh, he's up for re-election, as we all know. And uh, Tuesday, will tell the tell if he will be re-elected. I believe that he will. And uh, at that point, uh, with another four years uh, as president, he might have two more appointments. Very good possibility. I, Justice Thomas has said that he's getting tired. Uh, he may be ready to retire. And Breyer has been saying that he... Uh, is uh, looking at retirement as well. So those two seats could be up uh, during the next term uh, for President uh, Trump. All right, coming up uh, at 635, we'll have uh, a couple of uh, guests with us that are going to join us and uh, talk about their new radio show they have 
here on 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer, America uh, Ground Radio. We're going to talk to them about it, what it is they're trying to do, what are their you know beliefs and things of that nature. We're going to talk to them uh, about that when we return. But right now it's time for the news. Let me catch you up with a minute of news, and then uh, we got to pay some bills. That's all happening here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get back to it here on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Wednesday morning, hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And, of course, that's a good thing. Going to be wet today. Uh, drive safely when you're out on the roads. So there's going to be some heavy downpours at times. Uh, it should be out of here sometime around the 8 o'clock hour tonight. Uh, unless you're in uh, northern Arkansas and then, it's going to hang around you until uh, probably 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Louis Avaloni got it right. Oh, and, you got it perfect. And and Stephen Parr are good with morning. us right now. And, guys, it's good to have you on. You're down in Shreveport, down by Barksdale Air Force Base. That's how, that's how I know Shreveport, because I was in the Air Force, <laughs> and so uh, went over to Barksdale from time to time. So uh, tell me, th- this new show that you guys have on with us on Saturday nights from 5 until 6, uh, talk about it a little bit. Tell us what uh, people can expect when they tune in. Sure. Well, the show is for anyone who believes there is greatness within each of us, that we can do great things, that this country can, in fact, be great again if we focus on what's working and how to do more of that instead of just focusing on what's broken – or, and, and how to fix it. Or if we can just stop focusing on personalities and realize or otherwise focus on the results. Yeah, we say on the show a lot that the greatness of America, what makes America great, actually comes from the greatness that's within each and every American. The Declaration of Independence says we were all created equal. That Well, that means there's a creator, and we were created in the creator's image. Well, God is great. That means there is, if you're listening to this show, there is greatness within you right now. And, and the more we can allow that greatness that's within each one of us to manifest itself in the real world, the more of us that can reach our potential, the stronger, the better, the greater our country will be as a whole. And, and we've got to be looking for policies and solutions that allow that to happen, where government makes it easier for us to do the right things, harder for us to do the wrong things, and government focuses on what its only job is. Its only job is to secure our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We focus a lot on what the Declaration of Independence says and apply that to how our world should be operating today. So I'm, I'm going to assume that you guys were really happy like I was at uh, Amy Coney Barrett getting uh, uh, confirmed and then taking the oath uh, and being an, an associate justice of the Supreme Court. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she, she focuses on the words. We, we see on the show a lot, words have meaning. When you are a justice, you need to focus on what the words in the law as it was passed by whichever legislature you're looking at, what those words actually mean. John Adams' cousin, Samuel Adams, the one who the beer company is named after, said how easily a tyrant changes.
changes the meaning of plain words. Amy Coney Barrett looks at the meaning of the words and doesn't change them. She says, that's what the law says, whether I like it or whether you like it, that's what the law says. That's what a great justice should do. What a justice should not do is take the word tax and change it to mean fine, or vice versa, take the word fine and change it to mean tax the way that John Roberts did. Uh That's how a tyrant behaves, and there's no room for it on the Supreme Court. What I uh, love about that is that she's an originalist and a textualist, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that aren't originalists that are in the Senate. One of them is Senator Markey. Here's what he had to say about originalists. To deny rights to women, to communities of color, and to the LGBTQ individuals, members of our society who had no rights when the Constitution was ratified. Originalism is racist. Originalism is sexist. Originalism is homophobic. Wow. Oh, goodness. Wow. Yeah. That wow. comment's based on ignorance and fear. Yeah. If the law is racist, if the law is homophobic, if the law is sexist, then that's the legislator's fault. That's that senator's fault, not the judge's fault. The judge didn't make the law. The judge tells you what the text actually says, but the judge doesn't make the law. It's the senator who should have fixed that problem. If he thinks it's racist, if he right. thinks it's homophobic, he needs to fix it. Yeah. And and, and I think that represents a misunderstanding that government can fix everything. We can just pass a law. Government cannot fix all things for us. It cannot make us content or make us feel respected or accepted. It can't confer achievement on us or build up our self-esteem or eliminate life's inevitable ups and downs. And I think Amy Coney Barrett understands that government is not the solution to all that ails us. Well. You know, the founders knew that, and the founders tried to tell us that. And here's the key. We've forgotten that in many cases. And we've stopped teaching it. Oh, we, yeah. we, we talk again. I personally believe, and we've got a book that we're working on on this, that you can take every single political issue in the world today, and if you look at what the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence says and apply that logic to whatever problem we're facing, you will come up with the correct answer. The second sentence of the Declaration of Independence is the one that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That whenever that, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, instituting new government in its place based on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Take any political issue today, run it through that filter, and you'll come up with the right answer. And that's what we've forgotten because most Americans today have no idea what the second sentence of the Declaration of Independence says, and yet that is the idea of America. Martin Luther King called that sentence the American creed. We as a nation need to live up to it, but how can we live up to it if we don't know what it actually says? Well, and and I think it was Lewis that said it's not taught anymore, and he's exactly right. Uh, You talk to somebody that's younger than 30, and you'd be amazed at the ignorance. And when I say ignorance, that's not a disparaging term. It's just a matter of fact. They weren't taught it. They don't know it. And when you ask those folks, 
where do your rights come from? Many of them will say the government yeah. rather than the creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. And and a, and a real problem is, is how many people now want to say there is no God. And, of course, we know what uh, the Bible says about that, that only a fool looks around and says there is no God. Uh, I mean, you look around at creation and there's no way that that just came out of nothing. You know what I'm saying? Although there's a lot well, of people believe that. If there is no God, where do your rights come from? Because if your rights came from Thomas Jefferson, we're all in trouble because he's dead. He can't fix it. Yep. If your rights come from government, government can take it away. But that's the whole point of that. The, the fact that the, it came from the creator means it's unalienable. It can't be taken away. And anyone who tries now is trying to fight against God. Good luck with that. Yeah. 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 And, and very frankly, you don't have to believe in a creator, but you have to elect people in your government who do, whatever that creator is, because if they don't believe that rights come from the creator, then they believe that rights come from man, and what man can give you, as Stephen pointed out, man can take away. Well, Jefferson said that. Government's big enough to give you everything. It's big enough to take everything away. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and so these are the things that we try and focus on on the show. We, we, we try and do it in a positive light. We, we believe that uh, faith overcomes fear, and 2020 is the year of fear. Oh, uh, okay. but we, we believe there's a way out. Yeah. And we can't, we can't become depressed or bitter or angry. You know, there's a saying that the pessimist complains about the wind, and the optimist expects it to change, while the leader adjust the sails. And our show is for those of you who want to adjust the sails. Well, I really like that. That's, that's, that's good, Lewis. That's very good. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, our guests are the hosts of uh, American Ground Radio. You hear it Saturday nights from 5 to 6 right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, I like them. There's a couple of women that uh, join you all. I'd like you to talk about them as well. And we'll uh, Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the election as well that comes up next week. That's all next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, about 10 minutes till 7, let you rem- uh, remember that at 7.05, Congressman French Hill will join us as he does every Wednesday. Uh, we're hoping that we'll hear from Congressman Westerman at 7.35 today, uh, but I haven't been given the, uh, the two thumbs up. I got kind of a one and a half, so I'm waiting for two. Uh, so when that comes, a second part of that half of a thumb comes in, then I'll let you know that uh, that uh, Bruce will be here on the Dave Ellswick show. Yeah, I, our guests are, are Louis uh, Avaloni uh, from uh, the new show called uh, America Ground Radio. Stephen Parr is uh, his co-host in, co-host in crime, and they're down in Shreveport, and they do a show here now on Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m., and it's good to have them with us this morning. And, and guys, you got a couple of ladies that are part of uh, your crew as well. How do they fit into the whole uh, show concept? Well, we've asked uh, two ladies to join us. We call them their American Mamas. Uh, it's Terry Netterville and Denise Arthur. Uh, and uh, Terry's uh, an, an author. She's written a book, does a lot of writings for for 
um, uh, news periodicals as well. Uh, Denise is is her friend. They became friends as moms do, sitting in the stands watching baseball. And one of the things we wanted on our show was a female perspective. You don't a lot of times in talk radio, especially conservative talk radio, get a female perspective. And, and we thought, man, we're, we're missing out on half of America here. we got to have it. And they are hilarious. Uh, you, you know, uh, folks have heard of, of Diamond and Silk. Uh, they call themselves, um, uh, you, you know, Southern and Country. Uh, yeah. it's, it, they're just a lot of fun, but they bring a different perspective to the show. And folks ask them questions. They can go on our Facebook page, go on the Mama's Facebook page. They'll ask them questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And they come on and they tell you exactly what they think. And, and what, what's ahead. been go neat. Ahead, no, I was just going to say what's been really neat about it is that these are two ladies who, for all intents and purposes, have not been embedded in political news and following it for years and years. Certainly they're aware of history, etc. But these are folks over the last three years that we've been doing the show. It's just been amazing to see the – not transformation, but just how much more – informed they have become and their eyes are wide open into you know the mainstream media the deep state etc and it's just really been neat to see them you know basically come along uh, to the point where where steven and i are as far as political issues go all right so you guys are like antilla the hun and what are they um <laughs> uh, how about uh, uh was it um uh, Joan of Arc. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a calling, and they're coming out, and they're leading, and they're talking, and 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 yeah. When when we first start, started the show, they're like, oh, I don't think I should talk about politics, and now they're saying, look, if we're not talking about politics, then we are missing out, and we've got to. It may not be it may not be something that's comfortable, but it's something that we've got to do. We've got to be informed. We've got to be involved, and, and if we're not the the people who are informed and are involved will will drive the narrative and drive this country in a direction we don't want it to go. Yeah, so tell me, do you tell people the same thing I do? I tell them you may not want to be involved in politics, but if you're not in, involved in politics, politics will mm-hmm. get involved with you. Well, you know, my father always taught me that life was a fight for territory. And that as soon as you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want automatically takes over. And so for folks who say, well, I just kind of I don't want to offend anyone. No, look, you've got to have the courage because you're not alone in what you believe. And like I said, like my father told me countless times, when you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will take over. And obviously that's not an option. Yeah. And you don't have to do it in a way that's mean. You don't have to do it in a way that's caustic. Right. But you can stand on principle. You can stand on high ground. Look, Sun Tzu, who wrote The Art of War, he said you can win a battle without ever having to fight as long as you take the high ground, as long as you have an impenetrable place. When we stand on the Declaration of Independence, when we stand on the ideas this country was founded on, that is the high ground. You don't have to be mean and nasty about it, but if you'll stand strong and stand firm in principle, those positions, frankly, are unassailable. And, and Martin Luther King said it best, our lives end the, the day that we remain silent about the things that matter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to speak out. 
Yeah, I, and I and I agree wholeheartedly with that, and have been for many many years myself. How long have you been, uh, Lewis? Give us a little background on yourself. How long have you been doing uh, talk radio? Uh, we've been on the air three years, so uh, I'm a newbie. I'm not a professional by by any means, un, unlike my uh, co-host, who is uh, quite polished. So uh, I'm a businessman. I'm an attorney, and. Uh, it's just I've been involved in politics uh, for a number of years, and uh, Stephen and I crossed paths, and I I think that it was uh, God's plan for us to do so, and uh, we've been working together now for uh, for all uh, four years now. Uh, yeah, about five years now. Yeah, we we five wrote a years, book. Yeah. We wrote wrote a book called Bright Spots, Big Country, which was kind of uh, what led into the the radio show. And and you can get that book on Amazon. But we do talk about what works in America and how you can do more of that. I have a background in television broadcast. Uh, I was actually the chief meteorologist for the CBS station in in Shreveport, uh, two Emmy nominations, a bunch of AP awards. I was an investigative reporter before that. Uh, And... um, uh, really, it, I got called away from that. Uh, in all honesty, I called away from that. And then Lewis and I met. I was working on a, another radio show uh, with a gentleman named C.L. Bryant, who's now on the uh, president's advisory committee, the, the, the Black Voices in America for Trump. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, that's how I got into the, the radio aspect of politics. It really came from uh, my work in TV and then just a, a calling to, to start speaking out for, for things that are important. Well, and there's a lot of important things. What do you, what do you all think? And let's start with you, Stephen, on this one. Uh, people are saying this is the most consequential uh, uh, election that's uh, ever her- happened in in America. You know, I usually poo-poo that kind of talk, but this time I think that I kind of agree with everybody on that one. I do too. Look what happens if the Democrats win the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Look what happens. They will eliminate the filibuster, which means now we have 100% majority rule in the Senate, which eliminates the ability of the minority to fight off the tyranny of the mob. So that the, the, the filibuster will be gone. The Democrats will then pack the Supreme Court. They will add on, most likely, six new positions, and they will make all of them with people who rule based off of their emotions and their feelings rather than the text. They will then add Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico as new states. That's four more senators for the Democrats, which would give them uh, – there's no such thing as a permanent majority in politics, but at least for the next 50 years. And Joe Biden does not have the mental capacity at this point to be a strong, firm leader on his convictions for the next four years. This presidency will be taken over at least ideologically, if not in actuality, by Kamala Harris and folks on the left, which means we will shift to the left because the Democrat Party is further left than any political organization Mm -hmm. in the United States, and that probably includes the Communist Party of the 1950s. And 49 percent of Democrats don't even believe that Joe Biden, if he is elected, will finish his first term. So, uh, yeah, Kamala will definitely take this uh, far, far more left than than we're presently seeing. All right. We're down to one minute left. So I'm going to ask you a yes or no question. Is the president reelected? I say yes. What do you say? In a landslide. Okay. 
I say yes. Florida, real clear politics this morning shows Florida is uh, being led by Donald Trump. The comments from uh, Biden during the debate last week eliminates his possibility of winning Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania and Florida gives Trump the election. All right, gentlemen, five to six on Saturday nights. Keep up the good work. Appreciate the invitation. All right. We'll have you back on in the near future. We appreciate your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up, we've got Congressman French Hill joining us. You don't want to miss that. That's next on the Dave Ellswick Show. up about uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. I just got the other half thumb. The congressman just sent me a text and said, I've got it on my calendar uh, to call you today. And I wrote back, yes, sir. Look forward to talking to you. And so we'll talk to Bruce after we get done here with Congressman French Hill. Congressman, how are you today? Dave, good morning. Great to be with you. Well, I got to tell you what, we had a special guest yesterday that joined our show. We had uh, Congresswoman Liz uh, Cheney on yesterday, and she was explaining uh, to uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro what a pronghorn was. (laughs) Well, there's no better place to see them peek their heads up than Wyoming. That's exactly right. My, my, (laughs) My brother lives in Gillette, so... Uh, I've been up there several times. I love the state. Uh, in fact, it's a state that, because of how many people that they have in the state, they should still be a territory. But they passed a law, that, that, you know, back in the day that allowed them to become a state. Uh, I, I think there's only a little over five hundred thousand people in that whole state. That's right, and they're lucky to have Liz Cheney uh, yes, representing them in the House of Representatives. She's fantastic. Yeah, she uh, talked highly of you yesterday, uh, called you her mentor, and said that you had helped her out uh, extensively uh, with the PPP up in uh, uh, North uh, or South Dakota, pardon me, or Wyoming, in fact. I don't know why I guess the Dakotas mixed up there, but uh, Wyoming. And uh, she had nothing but good things to say, and she's come down to do some campaigning with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward for her being here in uh, the city today. Liz has been a friend since we both worked for President Bush uh, a long, long time ago. We were much younger, but we did bond. <laughs> We've been good friends for all those years. And Liz is such a terrific uh, voice inside the conference for our military families. And 
she's going to join Senator Bozeman and I today, and we're going to visit with uh, our military families and hear how things are going for them, uh, both during the pandemic and as a result of all the positive changes that we've made in defense policy over the last four years. I got to ask you, Congressman, did you hear Senator Ed Markey talk about what originalism is? No, because that would not be a fruitful uh, way to use my time. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take up too much of your time with me. But here's what he had to say yesterday: to deny rights to me. women, to communities of color, and to the LGBTQ individuals, members of our society who had no rights when the Constitution was ratified. Originalism is racist. Originalism is sexist. Originalism is homophobic. Wow. Wow. What a moron. Yeah, he is a moron. God, that is the most ridiculous nonsense I've heard. But that, again, uh, Ed Markey is, is, could be a, a way Joe Biden learned the way to say malarkey because Ed Markey <laughs> is full of malarkey. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He's, he's a, he just beat Joe Kennedy for a, a race uh, up there in Massachusetts and, it's a shame that, uh, frankly, the people of Massachusetts couldn't make a change. Well, I, I just, I just had terrible. a, I just had an interview with uh, a couple of guys that are doing a new show here on one hundred one one on Saturdays, and it's called America Ground Radio. It's out of Shreveport, and it was fun talking to them. Uh, but we talked about how important this election is uh, coming that that that's going on right now. And, you know, everybody always says when election time comes up in the president, it's the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, I will say I've not I've not said that for the most part, but this time I am keeping you in office is really, really important. Keeping President Trump in office is really, really important because we know what the other side wants to do. You just heard it from that guy, uh, the senator from Massachusetts, Markey. Well, look, the progressive left in this country, which wants a big government, single-payer health care system, wants to raise $4 trillion in taxes, wants to make America not competitive by shutting down our energy independence, we can have a better climate policy, we can have lower carbon emissions, and still have a independent energy policy that uses an all-of-the-above strategy, including, as I've said many times, increasing our use on the cleanest fuel source in the world, which is nuclear power, for our major power generation. And they want to go backwards on that and cripple our economy just at the exact wrong time coming out of a pandemic. More regulations, more mandates, crippling our energy industry and raising taxes is a terrible uh, business strategy for making America competitive. And this is the direction Biden wants to go. And he's been captive by the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren wing of the party. And they've also captured a majority, a working majority, I'd say, in the House of Representatives. Boy, I, I don't I do not uh, sit here and want your job. I'll be honest with you. They have to go up there and try to work with people like that. I just can tell you, I couldn't do it. I I would not be as uh, as easy on saying things about them as, as you are. They're just a bunch of dunderheads. 
Well, and just take Markey's point. Look, originalism means you're loyal to the original base text of the Constitution. And the Constitution is a document that has facilitates every great improvement in American society. This is the nonsense that uh, Ed Markey is pursuing. He's alleging that the Constitution was written and that then you, you don't take into account that it has a process for amendment. It has a process for uh, reviewing political action through judicial review. I mean, not judicial action, legislative actions through judicial review. That's the whole point of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And the, it just demonstrates just how lack of knowledge Ed Markey has about his own country. Well, you look at AOC, and she, as soon as Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court, even before she took her oath, sent out a uh, tweet saying, pack the court. Yeah, this is uh, a bad idea. And my opponent here, Senator Elliott, on Friday night said that she was now open to uh, abolishing the Electoral College. And she's open to Joe Biden's idea of a commission to look at expanding the Supreme Court. Mm. This is this is just, again, more radical, far left, progressive ideas that are not moving the country in the right direction. And again, I think demonstrates a complete misunderstanding of the Constitution. The Electoral College is there to balance the power of big states with high populations with small rural states. That was critical when we had 13 original states, and it's just as critical now. And for Senator Elliott to say that she's open to abolishing the Electoral College means that she doesn't want Arkansas to have equal positive representation in the House and the Senate. So I don't know. These these folks are they're not doing their homework. They don't understand American history, uh, and uh, they're taking the country down a wrong road. I hope everybody gets out and recognizes that need before between now and and uh, the third of November. I I agree. Uh, Congresswoman uh, Cheney on yesterday, she and I uh, talked about what I think, and I know it's a it's a lie that has been perpetuated by the left for quite some time, but. During this election, they've even been perpetuating it even more. And that is uh, you, along with uh, President Trump and other uh, like-minded Republicans, are trying to destroy and get rid of uh, Social Security and Medicare. And it's just such a bald-faced lie. The piece of legislation they talk about has it in there that nothing can happen to Social Security or to Medicare. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, you all added money to both those programs just recently. We've strengthened those programs. And the irony is, uh, my opponent says that by voting to lower Americans' taxes uh, on their personal income and on their businesses, that somehow that weakens Social Security. Uh, The Congressional Budget Office, others say just the opposite was the case. We obviously created more jobs, higher job participation, lowest unemployment in 50 years. Well, guess what happens if you have more people working? They pay into the Social Security That's system. That's right. It makes it stronger. This is the nonsense that uh, is uh, the Democrats, since they have no policies of their own except that are destructive, high tax, high regulation, high government takeover of our uh, private health insurance. This is all they have to run on, so they just tell us falsehoods and lies about uh, what we've done to strengthen Social Security and Medicare. So this is not new, uh, and they run down capitalism. They run down anybody who has a successful business, anybody who's an entrepreneur. Uh, This is the kind of 
uh, class warfare that I guess the Democratic Party, if you don't have ideas, all you can do is attack ad hominem arguments. I mean, even attacking, saying I don't even, I don't respect my elders is their latest attack on me. So, I mean, God, Good. it's ridiculous. All right. Well, hold on. We'll be right back with you. I'd like to talk about the uh, the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett with you and how important that is uh, for uh, conservatives. I want to talk about the PPP and, uh, you know, Pelosi just continues to put up roadblocks on that. We'll talk about all of that with Congressman French Hill as we continue our interview with him here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget at 735. Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, don't forget about uh, we're going to get a lot of rain today. They're saying over an inch of rain today from uh, Tropical Storm Zeta. Going to put her rain uh, uh, signature on Arkansas. Uh, if you notice a stain up on your uh, ceiling during that time, uh, if you see any water in your home, know that you got a leak. You can call PI Roofing today while it's happening, and PI Roofing can take care of stopping that leak. They'll come out and tarp your roof. They'll put some materials down that will keep the water out of your house while the storm is going on. Now, they're not going to get up there if lightning is streaking down from the sky. You know, I don't expect to see them up on aluminum ladders getting up on my uh, uh, my roof. But barring that and barring like 80-mile-an-hour winds or something, they'll get up and, and, and they'll take care of it. They did it with my house. Look, I had, I had uh, a leak going on in my uh, uh, roof here just a couple of months ago, and they came out and... Uh, took off an antenna that uh, the DirecTV had put on my my uh, home, and they filled the holes there that were leaking, and they did it while it was raining. They, they, they took care of it, made it uh, made the water stop because I, I saw the, you know, top of my roof and, or not roof, the ceiling and my, my bedroom discoloration. I knew that was water getting in. And so I called them and I called the same number you're going to call. All right. I don't get special service. All right. I call 707-707-3551, 707-3551. And I get uh, the same people that you'll get to come out and set things up so that my roof can be taken care of. You can do the same thing. Just call that number 707 707- 3551 or visit them online at piroofing.com and get the best service you'll ever get from a roofing company all right back with you you know congressman i wanted to cut that spot for our election coverage and wanted to tell everybody on the left to make sure that they voted on wednesday but well they wouldn't let me do it that would be a public service but you'd probably be in trouble (laughs) i would i would have been in serious trouble all right uh amy coney barrett is now part of the supreme court i guess she'll take her seat starting next week from what i've understood uh i just think this is a a bright and brilliant moment for america and the supreme court Terrific selection by President Trump. He has handled all his appointments to the federal bench just with great skill and, I think, uh, really acclaim from both sides of the aisle. You wouldn't know that sometimes during the confirmation process. 
But senators, I've been very impressed with the president's uh, nominations, and he's uh, now appointed three Supreme Court justices, and Judge Barrett's probably the best of the three. I mean, she has an outstanding background. And you know what I like about it, Dave, is she brings a different point of view to the court. She's not an Ivy League person that has years of, of federal uh, clerking experience inside the federal judiciary. She's uh, grew up in New Orleans. She went to Rhodes College over in Memphis, uh, went to Notre Dame Law School, been a professor, uh, clerk for Judge Scalia. Mm-hmm. She's a mom, has a big family, and married to another Notre Dame law professor. They're just a great family uh, who uh, brings a working mom's perspective to the court, uh, brings a not East Coast perspective to the court. And so she was supported on a bipartisan basis uh, three years ago when President Trump nominated her to the Seventh Circuit. Court of Appeals. So this Midwestern voice on the court, I think, will be a nice addition. I agree with you. I, I, I'm really taken uh, by her. Uh, I, I was really impressed during the confirmation hearings, and you could see her teacher come out as she schooled several senators about what uh, the Constitution was all about and what originalism and textualism was all about. And I thought that she just did a fantastic job. And I can't wait to see her sitting up on on, on the court, to be honest with you. I'm really, really excited. And then we get the president reelected. You know, I think that perhaps he may, in the next four years, have at least two seats that uh, he'll have to fill because uh, Justice Thomas has said that he's getting a little tired of of uh, doing the Supreme Court thing, and Breyer has said that he's getting tired of it. So there's a possibility that we'll see two more seats filled by Trump if he gets reelected, and I do believe he's going to be reelected. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, I just had some guys on earlier today. They said they thought it would be a landslide. I've been calling it a landslide uh, for a long time, and I think that we're starting to see the polls uh, show that things are shifting very favorably in in his direction. Well, the polls have definitely tightened, and when you look at the energy on the Republican side across the country, I mean, it's incredible to me. I think the number for the president at his uh, event yesterday was 29,000 people were out in the cold up in Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, that's... Um, I've been around politics a long time. I've only been an elected person for these past six great years representing central Arkansas, but I've been around politics my whole career. You don't round up 29,000 people to stand outside (laughs) in freezing weather. Uh, It's just, uh, it's a real tribute to how the American people are interested in this election. They have a lot of passion for it. And I see that energy mostly on the Republican side. I got to tell you, I like you a lot, Congressman, but if it was cold and it was raining, I probably wouldn't come out to see you. I'm not sure I'd show up. I mean, I... <laughs> really, no, no doubt. I agree with you. So that energy is exciting. It's going to be an amazing last week. I agree with your public service announcement. Every Arkansan in the listening area needs to get out and vote, exercise, vote your conscience. I like the way you describe that, and that's an important obligation we have as American citizens. I agree. Hey, we've got just a couple of moments left. The uh, PPP doesn't look like uh, 
anything's going to happen as far as that's concerned. Pelosi keeps saying, well, it just might, it just might. And then, of course, she's like Lucy in Charlie Brown. She keeps pulling the football back. Uh, You know, I guess we're just going to have to wait till Trump gets reelected, and then she'll be ready to play ball then. Do you you think the left will understand if uh, Trump is reelected that their uh, ideology is, is not selling in this country finally? Yeah, I think it could be feel <clears throat> repudiated, but when you're a true believer and you don't have those beliefs are not grounded in uh, history or knowledge or economics, uh, you're really just a, a, a protest resistance movement. And so I think when President Trump's reelected, that resistance movements will be become more shrill and just as loud as it was in his first term. But I do think sensible people will come together with that flame sort of weakened and try to find consensus on these important issues we have to have to get this economy reopened, get this virus killed, keep our kids and teachers safe in schools, uh, get people back traveling within quality safety guidelines, and and make sure we get this economy growing, get people back to work. That's what we really need to do. That should be our first obligation. And that's why the Joe Biden policies are the wrong policies. They are not going to lead to people getting back to work. Yeah, and I agree. So, what have you? Uh, what have you been up to? I got one minute left here. One minute. What have you been well, up we to? Well, we had a. You know, we've been uh, Dave Carnahan, who's my military and veterans affairs advisor. We've been busy. We've had a great series of couple months helping veterans in Central Arkansas. We've closed a lot of cases, but one popped out to me. Who was a Vietnam vet? Wanted a disability rating uh, from the uh, his uh, cancer that he had exposure to Agent Orange. And he'd been turned out. And we got him back engaged and helped him get the documentation. And he reapplied under the Blue Water Navy Act, which President Trump signed into law, which gave disability uh, opportunities for people who served aboard ships and inland waterways but were exposed to Agent Orange. I got to jump in. Congressman, I got to jump in. Rush is coming up, and we don't want to step on Rush. Thank All you. The best. Thank you See for you. the time. All right, coming up in just a moment, uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But I want to talk about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry real quickly with you, because if you're wanting a piece of jewelry that is unique for the person that you're buying it for, then Hillcrest Designer Jewelry is where you need to go at 3000 Cavanaugh, right here in Little Rock, and talk to Eric Coleman. Because Eric is going to design that jewelry after they've asked you, he's asked you a bunch of questions about the person that you're buying the jewelry for. You know, what are they like? What are their likes? What are their dislikes? Uh, you know, what are they? What are they looking in a ring or in a a, a necklace or whatever? Because you should be have ta- you know been talking to them to get a kind of an idea of that. Then they'll design the ring. They do it on a the computer. They're going to make a wax uh, imprint of it so you can look at it, get a three D. Uh, vision of it and then when it comes time to talking about what kind of gemstones you want if you want uh, diamonds know that eric coleman is one of the ultimate authorities on diamonds here uh, in arkansas and uh, he'll make sure that you get your money's worth you don't want to go and buy your diamond on the internet because it could be made in china and uh, they've even got so good with their uh you know their their diamonds that they make that aren't diamonds that uh, they even put the numbers that you on the diamond they're fake diamonds 
that you can only see under a microscope. They're, they've gotten that good at this. So you want to make sure you got somebody who can see past all of that, and that is Eric Coleman. He'll save you hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars when it comes to diamonds. And if it's a colored gemstone or just a natural uh, rock, he can save you money with that as well. Go go talk to him at 3000 Cavanaugh here in Little Rock. That's uh, Eric Coleman. He's a you know jeweler. He is a uh, real artisan there at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, sitting in the wings, who is he's been waiting his time. He is here. He is ready to go. It's Congressman Bruce Westerman. Congressman, how are you? Doing great, Dave. Good to be with you this morning. Well, it's it's great to have you on. You've got a guest uh, uh, with you th- today, going around uh, some to some events. Is that right? Well, that'll be that'll be tomorrow. I've oh, had tomorrow. a busy week in the district. I'm headed down to Camden today to the Highland Industrial Park to visit uh, a couple of the facilities there, General Dynamics and Aerojet. And uh, I've always said uh, the Highland Industrial Park's one of the you know, best kept secrets in the state. There's a, a lot of defense contractors down there, really the who's who of defense contractors, and provide uh, some fantastic employment opportunities. You know, it's in in tiny Calhoun County, which has got the least population of any county in the state, but it's also got the highest per capita income wow. of any county in the state because of that, uh, that defense contracting part down there. How, Not many people know that. Yeah, how how is that happening here in Arkansas? I mean, the last time we talked about defense uh, uh, spending and and uh, uh, productivity growing in the state. It was uh, everybody was excited about perhaps a, a vehicle uh, that would might be you know made here in 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 the state, and we lost out on that. But from what I understand, uh, aerodynamically and uh, cruise missiles and whatever, we're still doing you know big business here in the state. Is that true? Yeah, that was Lockheed Martin that missed out on that JLTV contract. It went to Oshkosh, uh, but uh, you know it was kind of a heartbreaker. That was going to be a fifty billion dollar uh, contract with the Defense Department. Uh, but Lockheed's uh, doing a lot of stuff down there still. Uh, they've got um, a facility that's doing a lot of repair work on uh, equipment for the. Uh, Defense Department, plus you've got Raytheon down there. A lot of people don't realize that the Patriot missiles are made down in Camden. Right. But, you know, when I travel, it's pretty neat when I travel to Israel and I meet uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, and he finds out that Camden's in my district, and he he knows all about uh, what happens at at Camden because (laughs) it's so important to Israel's security. Yeah, I mean, they got that uh, whole Iron Curtain thing uh, that they that they do to keep uh, missiles from raining down on them from people who do not like them over in Israel. So you, explain to my listeners, you know, what you do. I mean, you basically make sure that uh, folks understand uh, about these companies in your district, correct? Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in my district that work for these companies, and uh, it's a very important part of the economy in that part of the state. So uh, they invite me down when they're they're actually uh, having a grand opening on a project there at General Dynamics today that they invited me down to speak uh, at that. Uh, but there's always something happening. Aerojet is the 
you know, they're, they make rocket motors. So we've, we've got a lot of rocket scientists that uh, live in South Arkansas, and they're moving more and more of their operations from California and other places uh, down to Camden because it's such a great workforce in that area. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a jewel that we've got down there. And uh, of course you, you can't just walk onto the facility because of the nature of what they do. So uh, I think a lot of people don't, don't realize that it's down there. No, that's, but, that's uh, fantastic. Tell us more. <laughs> well, I, I can't tell you much more. I'm <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> so, um, but yesterday I was up in White County with French Hill, went up to his district, and uh, we were up at the Hurricane Lake Wildlife Management Area with uh, Ducks Unlimited and the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. There's a, um, We've had so much rainwater and so much flooding that a lot of that, uh, that timber that makes such good duck hunting habitat is beginning to die on some of our green tree reservoirs. So we were looking at um, you know, what we can do um, to and, and what programs are out there in the federal government that help with uh, wetlands restoration and, and those sort of projects because uh, that's a huge part of, uh, of recreation and the economy in Arkansas. There's a lot of people that, that come here to duck hunt, and a lot of people enjoy that. Uh, so I got, got to spend a little bit of time with French. I know he's in a in a big race right now, and I, I hope everybody will go out and support him. He's a, a real asset to our delegation here in arkansas and, i agree uh, i agree good friend does a great job yeah we just talked to him just a moment ago uh, he he spends uh, every wednesday with us at seven o'clock talking about what's going on now you've joined us every other wednesday which is fantastic and uh, we appreciate your time as well and important that you went up there because you're a forester i mean you know what needs to be done to protect those trees right well, I know know a little bit. It's uh, uh, it, mainly you have to get the water off of them in the summertime so that the the roots are able to get get air. And uh, if you've got all this flooding and you can't, you have no place to drain the water, so it, it turns into uh, an infrastructure issue on you know what kind of gates and spillways they have uh, on the levees there, but also how the Corps of Engineers manages the water on the on the White River. And since I'm I'm the ranking member on the Water and Environment Subcommittee on the Transportation Committee, which that's we got jurisdiction over the core, so they wanted me there looking at it uh, from the the timber and wildlife management plus the water management side of it. Uh, of course, U.S. Fish and Wildlife has jurisdiction over migratory waterfowl and. Uh, that falls under the Natural Resources Committee. So that that kind of stuff's right up my alley to go out and look at it and see how we might be able to assist from the federal government standpoint. Fantastic. But along those lines, yeah, I was going to tell you, and you'd ask this first, and I've kind of gone way around the world to get to it, but I've got the Deputy <laughs> Secretary of Interior uh, coming in tomorrow, uh-huh. and she will be uh, doing some tours with me in Hot Springs. Uh, of course, so if you look at the hierarchy, you got the president, you got David Bernhardt, who's the Secretary of Interior, and then Kate McGregor is the Deputy Secretary. So she reports directly to uh, Bernhardt. So she's, you know, second in charge in the Interior Department, and uh, she's uh, she's one of those you know great hires that the Trump administration did or appointments, and it's it's folks like her that are able to 
uh, to get stuff done. And that's the, you know, that's the part that you may not see with, um, you know, having a Republican president, but when you've got, um, cabinet and department officials like that, that you can go to and that are willing to help and have common sense, that makes a, a huge difference. But, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, Dave, but the, the Walton Family Foundation has built some, I mean, world-class mountain bike trails over uh, in a place uh, north of Hot Springs called Northwoods Trails. And uh, there was a short section that needed to connect to the national park so that you could um, you could connect the national park to the trails. And, you know, working with the uh, Laura Miller, who's the park superintendent in Hot Springs, and the Department of Interior, they were able to work out uh, a solution to connect the trail to the city of Hot Springs to the national park, which is, which is a doesn't sound like a big deal, but getting the park service to do something like that really is a a big deal. So, uh, we're going to go out and look at that, and also look at some of the the ways of park service in Hot Springs has leased bathhouses, and we've got that big ACTI building there. Plus, we're going to go out and look at. Uh, um, some of the work that's been done on the state parks in Arkansas through cooperative programs with Department of Interior, and uh, then we're going to we're going to visit a, a quartz crystal mine, which uh, there's a lot of that around uh, Hot Springs, but uh, some of that's done on Forest Service land, and the, the BLM, which is part of Interior, has jurisdiction over over minerals on the Forest Service land. So the secretary is going to get to see some of that and uh always people don't realize this but uh, arkansas has the largest turquoise mine in the country or the largest deposits of turquoise in the country right now out on the washita forest and i didn't know that when i found out about it uh but uh lots of stuff to talk about in the natural resources area and glad to be able to have the deputy secretary that will come in tomorrow well, anything that will bring money into hot, you know, the Hot Springs area is welcome financing, no doubt about it. Let's take a break. We'll come back, finish up our conversation. Congressman Bruce Westerman is with us. I just found something out about turquoise here in uh, in Arkansas, and I love turquoise. I have since uh, you know the doors were around. We talk more about that when we come back here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's finish up our uh, time with Congressman Bruce Westerman. And, uh, Congressman, uh, other things that are going on in, in your district that you think people need to know about that perhaps, uh, you know, the word's not getting out about? Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of focus on the election right now, and what I want to remind people to do is get out and vote. I think the word's getting out on that, but uh, uh, it doesn't count just to think about who you would vote for or, or that you should go vote. You have to make the effort and get out and vote. So I want to encourage you know everybody to vote. If you uh, if you're listening to this and you you can't vote for me, that probably means you can vote for French Hill. So. Uh, I hope you'll go out and do that and uh, exercise that right. Whether you vote for, for French or me or not, uh, don't pass up the opportunity to do a great American thing and vote. Yeah, I try to tell everybody, vote your conscience. I mean, whether that's you're going to vote Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, whatever it is, go out and vote your conscience because uh, that's your civic duty. 
I don't think it's just the right. It's a duty for you to get out there and to make yourself uh, uh, cognizant of the issues and to go and vote who you think will best be able to handle those issues. Exactly right. And it's uh, it's something we should take seriously and uh, spend time researching the issues, researching the candidates and uh, making your vote count. Um, you know, people talk about term limits and all these different things. Well, the, an election's a perfect time to have term limits. If you don't like the, <laughs> right. the job I'm doing or somebody else is doing, go make your voice heard. Um, and if you like the way things are going, support those things that you like. But it's there's far too many people that don't exercise that right in our country, and I wish more people would. Yeah, and I and I agree with that. And and right now, uh, our Kansans are turning out at the polls. I uh, got a text uh, yesterday uh, from Thurston uh, about early voting. I don't know if you'd heard this. Early votes through Monday, uh, four hundred sixty-four thousand three hundred ninety-six. Uh, the absentee ballots requested one hundred twenty-eight thousand eight hundred sixty-eight. Absentee ballots that have been returned, 96,468. So uh, that's uh, what we're looking at right now. Looks like uh, uh, it's a vigorous turnout. That's good. Uh, Congressman Hill said that, you know, he couldn't believe the amount of people that were turning out at the Trump rallies this time. I mean, we all remember four years ago and, you know, 12, 13,000 just the other day, he had 29,000 people at one of his rallies. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I know the national pundits are saying it's over, that Biden's won, that the uh, the national average is too high for Trump to overcome that, even though they're starting to adjust their polls and say it's tightening. But I just can't, uh, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, if uh if it's going to be a Biden blowout. Uh, but I just don't see that happening with all the enthusiasm out there uh, for Trump and the lack of enthusiasm for Biden. You know, the most enthusiasm I see for Biden are people who hate Trump. Yeah, that's and, all I see it from, be honest with you. Uh, I'm with you on that. And when you see those Biden uh, times together, like in Georgia, where only three people showed up, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if it's if it's a referendum on Trump, uh, it'll be the referendum of all time. If uh, if there's that many people that uh, that don't like him enough, because I can't I can't see anything Biden offers. I mean, you know, trying to be be fair with him and take off my Republican blinders. I can't see what the appeal is for Biden. Other I don't than either. People people hate Trump. I don't either. And he's like, you know. He's like the groundhog. He comes out of his basement every so often and says, oh, you know, we got seven more days of uh, election or whatever. That's about the only thing that we get from the guy and uh, more taxes that he wants his people to pay. And, you know, he talks about, well, if you make under $400,000, you're not going to pay any more new taxes. If you're going to get rid of the Trump tax cut, people in the middle class are going to get hit hard uh, through his that's, increase that's in taxes. That's one of the biggest that's one of the biggest lies they've perpetrated through this election. The Trump tax cuts help uh, lower to middle income people. Um, and the fact that we did a corporate income tax cut, they're saying we helped uh, wealthy corporations. But 
on the personal income tax side, it was lower to middle income people who got the largest uh, tax cut. And I can't imagine um, people who are you know, struggling to take care of their family budget wanting to vote for someone who's going to automatically raise your taxes when he gets into office. And I think people think they're just saying this stuff, but I mean, they're going to raise taxes. They're going to, uh, I believe they're going to try to make Puerto Rico and DC states. I believe they're going to try to pack the Supreme court. Um, and you're going to have, uh, you know, AOC is going to be driving policy on the, on the Democrat side. So, uh, I think if they if they do win and and sweep the the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and do away with cloture in the Senate, uh, our country is not going to look the same within a a year to two years. And I would think there would be a a huge reckoning in the next midterm if all that happens. But I don't want our country to go through the uh, the pain of what what they're openly saying they're going to do. This isn't like they're going to sneak up and do this. Yeah. They're saying they're, they're going to do you. these things. Yeah, my dad yeah. always told me, when the other person's telling you what they're going to do, believe them. Congressman, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you after the election. Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll talk to you at 6 p.m. here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Six o'clock hour, Dave Ellswick Show. Joining us uh, by phone, Joe of Joe's Garage. He is uh, on the on the line with us, and then sitting here in the studio with me is Duck from Duck's Garage over in uh, the Benton area. And uh, we're going to try to answer some car questions and uh, get you some information that uh, is uh, valuable to you and uh, be entertaining as well. And Joe, how are you doing? Doing great, Dave. You guys doing all right? We're doing fantastic. Duck was just telling me he's seen a lot of deer, but he hasn't shot at any of them yet. Uh, Russell evidently looked like he got a nice six point. No, he's eight. Is it eight point? Okay, got an eight point up yeah, there. Yeah, killed with his crossbow. Oh, he he got him. Uh, he had to get get up close to him, huh? I was about thirty yards from him. Yeah, well, that's good. That's about as far as you want to get with a bow. Yeah. he so he he got it. That's the main thing. Yep, good for him. I'm letting mine grow a little bit bigger. They ain't yeah. quite big enough yet. Okay, you want a few more a few more days? You're yeah. going back up this weekend? I'm going up there to do a couple of things to the cabin. There ain't no muzzleloader nothing this weekend. Oh, okay. Now if, if I had a granddaughter that'd go with me, I could still take her. <laughs> but she's done got 17, so she don't go with Papa no more. No, okay. She's chasing other bucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's actually working. She works for uh, Hideaway Pizza and Bryant in Benton, rather. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's something in the kitchen. I don't know exactly what, but. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know they had a hideaway down Benton. I knew about up in Sherwood, but it's I didn't know. It's been open now about two months. Really? Yep. Okay. 
That's a great pizza place, by the way. Yeah, we had we was we ate supper there last night. Me and her and Russell and uh, Blake and Emily. It's good food. It really, really is. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that Hideaway is good. I go to the one there in Sherwood. You know, probably try to hit it once every couple of months. That's about all you can get in down there, unless you want. I ain't, I ain't good about waiting. Yeah. And they tell you 45 minutes to hour and a half wait. Yeah. No, nah, you're not going to do that. About 10 minutes. That's about my limit. <laughs> well, you know what I've been doing? And I, this is, I don't want this to turn into Dave Ellswick says go to this restaurant or whatever. But the, uh, the butter garlic burger at Sonic is the bomb. It is really, really good. It's almost as good as steak and shakes. Uh, but uh, it, it, it misses a little bit of the garlic. Well, I saw where they they just sent me a text. They're going to take it off the menu again. You know, it's one of those rotating things. Yeah. I wish they'd put it on the menu and keep it there. Because that's, nice. oh, that's a good burger, man. So that's what we had for dinner last night. I had, Joe, you're going to love this. Check out what my dinner was last night. It was a, a garlic butter burger from, from Sonic along with a Route 44 vanilla Diet Coke. A small order of onion rings and a large order of their uh, uh, morning uh, cinnamon rolls with the uh, sauce that you dip in. <laughs> wow, sounds hey, good. It he was, went all out, didn't it? It was good last night. I'm just telling you, it was good. And then I sat and watched the television. I've been recording all the, the horror movies, and I watched, uh, what was it, one of the Dracula movies. Dracula 1972. With Christopher Lee and uh, Peter Cushing. That was and one of the better ones, It too. was a good one. It was a good one. And it was fun watching that as well. So uh, let's get to the questions. I've got a question about a 2007 Dodge Ram 1500, 8-cylinder, 4.7-liter engine. I'm having trouble installing the fog light bezel, bezel on my truck. It keeps popping back out when I try to put it into place. Can you can you help it out? Now this is this is more body work than what you guys do, although you change the bulb, so I guess I guess you gotta do the bezel at times as well. You do, you gotta pop it out and he probably broke the it's got a clip on each side that goes in and locks and he probably broke the clip on it. It's the old seven model. Yep. It's done got brittle and when he popped it out it broke the clip and he just don't realize it. Okay, so what do you gotta do for buy that? Buy a new bezel. You gotta buy just buy a new one, huh? And they're about Thirty, forty dollars. That's not bad. No, and that's aftermarket. You you know you got to go to uh, LKQ and buy aftermarket, but it's new. So, all right, you go along with that, Joe. Yeah, you know uh, something like that. It's hard to say, but judging from what he's describing, that's probably correct. He's he's not got it in there right, or he's broke the clip on it one or the other. No, <laughs> right, just. Just something to keep in mind that when you're dealing with age on on something, it it sometimes plastic's going to break, right? Well, I got a '07 Dodge that belongs to the city of Benton. Come in, the heater core stopped up on it. Okay, evaporated core stopped up. Won't let no air blow across it. Dash looked perfect on it. You know how that goes. Oh, there Joe? we go. He, uh, yeah, he touched it and it fell all to pieces. Oh wow. So, I ordered one out of Florida. The guy down here in Florida makes them out of fiberglass now. Put they it, stay together for a while. Yeah, they don't. 
Well, and they're a whole lot thicker. They're a little bit harder to put in because they're a little bit thicker, and you got you got to do a little work on them. Mm-hmm. But they work a whole lot better. Yeah. How, how much does a whole dash cost? They're about three hundred dollars. No, that's not too bad. No, and and okay. they're like I say, they're made out of fiberglass, so they they work a whole lot better. He even makes them for Sterling trucks. Sterling trucks has the same problem. You get in a Sterling truck that's five or six years old. The whole right side where the fuse box and the breaker box and everything is, it'll be laying on the ground because the dash is all broke out of it. Oh man! And it's, but he makes one out of fiberglass too, and they're about forty two hundred dollars. Yeah, well, that's a little bit bigger. Yeah, and plus it has all the air conditioner vents and everything in it, so you know the heater vents and all that stuff's made into it. So, and but you can't buy them if you buy it through Sterling Truck. They're about six thousand dollars. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. And I guarantee if you go look at 10 of them trucks, nine of them is going to be broke out. This is the way it works. Yep. Well, just, I don't think people realize, and Joe, you can talk about this, just just the sun beating down through your windshield on your dash is going to age your dash quickly. Well, that plastic gets hot and it gets cold and it gets brittle. Yep. It's... uh. It's a common problem. The Dodges not just have it, but the, some of the GM products have it, especially when they get seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Yep. Uh, I had I had a customer come in one time, and we put a motor in his vehicle, and he picked it up and brought it back because the light, uh, the the check engine light came on, and we and we checked it, and he had a converter code in it, and he got to complaining that the upper dash was cracked on it. It wasn't like that before we put the motor in it. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, well, they all crack. He said, no, it wasn't like that, and you need to fix it. And I said, well, I'm not fixing it because putting a motor in it didn't have nothing to do with the dash. <laughs> right, right. And I said, I'll make you a deal. There are two more Dodge trucks out there on my lot, and I haven't looked specifically. But if you go out there and see two and look through the windshield, if neither one of them have cracks in it, I'll buy you a dash. Yep. He came back, and he said, they're both cracked. And I said, there you go. <laughs> That's what's wrong with yours, too. It's a naturally occurring thing. It's not anything that we did. And I tell most folks like Duck, when that one that he put the heater core and the evaporator core in, when you touch it, it's yeah. going to fall to pieces. It's and, brittle. And I tell them, you it's know, like, hey. Like an eggshell. Let's walk out here and look at it. You see what it looks like right now? 99% chance it's not going to look like that when you come back and pick it up. And, you know, they look at you like, huh? Uh-huh. You know, but, I, you know, it's – it, Joe, what I tell people, look at your inside of your windshield. You wipe your hands on the inside of your windshield, and then look at your fingers, into your fingers. That tells you what's going on with the dash. It's coming apart and going to the windshield. Right. Because the sun's cooking oil out of it. That that oily film you get on the inside of your windshield, that's coming out of your dash. And it don't matter if it's a Dodge or Ford or Chevrolet or Nissan, Toyota, any of them, they all do it. That's because oil is in all plastics. Exactly. It's made out of soybean oil. Yeah. I mean, that, that is there. That, that's what I just find so ridiculous about the argument from environmentalists that we got to get rid of oil. Well, folks, it's more than just gasoline and diesel we're talking about here. Speaking of that, Dave, we was discussing this. Uh, me and Teresa Monday night was eating supper at home and. You know, and she was listening to him talking about stopping the fracking and stopping yeah. oil and all that. I, I I looked at her and I said, do you realize how many vehicles run up down this road right here in front of our house that 60% of that car is made out of oil? 
that, that's right. People, look around your house. If you got plastic in your house, they, they've used oil to make that plastic. Yep. And they either use, you know, crude oil or they use soybean oil. The soybean is, is grown by that tractor that's burning diesel fuel. Yeah. So, and I tell, I said, you just think about this. It's not only going to hurt the oil people that produce it. It's going to hurt the refinery people. It's going to hurt the shop people because if you start taking all that away, how are you going to get your groceries? Yeah. Well, I agree. It 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 it, it is a large no circle of different people that are are involved in all of this, and people don't realize how everything is interconnected. Like I told her, I said, if if they do stop the oil producing. Teresa, it will shut 60% of the country down because 60% of the country runs on what they're producing every day. Or making. Yeah. Making things. Well, you know, speaking of of soybean oil, Joe, I got one in yesterday. All the warrants chewed off of it. (laughs) Rodents done got in there, huh? He had it down at his deer camp and down there over the weekend deer hunting. He said it won't start, won't run. Russell goes out there and raises the hood up and shuts the hood back down, comes back in there, and he says, well, i got to find a warrant harness for it. It's on a little Toyota pickup. They chewed the plug. It's amazing of how fast they can do that. Oh, yeah. They, they can do it in two or three days. I mean, them, them little jokers can chew up and eat up. And, and I've had people park their vehicle and go on vacation and come back, you know, seven, eight days later. And they bring it to me on a record because it won't run. Get it, raise the hood up. And, and it's not only the, the mice, but it's also the squirrels. Rabbits. You'd be surprised how many rabbits eat the, eat the warrant off taillights. They get up in the car? Oh, yeah. I had no idea about rabbits doing that. We had a, uh, a motorhome, man, that's been sitting for a couple of months. She called Russell and she said, check engine light on. Can you check it? So she gets there, and he pulls it up, and it says the air cleaner stopped up on it. So he pulls the top off the air cleaner, Dave. It had a nest and about 500 acorns. <laughs> it was getting ready for winter. Yep, they were they were getting themselves ready to settle down and take a nap. And the way uh, the Dodge Sprinter intake picks up, it's right below the bumper. So... Easy entry. So what we've started doing until we catch one of them in there, we take some uh, screen door wire, put across it, put a tie strap on it. All right. Stops them from getting in. That's what your bumper-to-bumper certified service center does. They come up with solutions because they fix cars and trucks. They don't just work on cars and trucks. Joe is here from Joe's Garage over on Crystal Hills Road. And then Duck is here. Uh, from down in the Benton area, Ducks Garage, and on Air Lane Drive over there by the uh, the new Boys and Girls Club. Uh, let's take a break here at the 6 o'clock hour. We'll be back in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock hour. Joe Joe's Garage is here, Crystal Hill Road over in North Little Rock. And then, of course, uh, with us as well is Duck, Ducks Garage in Benton. Uh, he's over on Air Lane Drive right off of uh, I-30 over there by the new boys and, and girls club over by the old airport. You know where that's at. 
You can find either one at those locations. Or if you're looking for a bumper-to-bumper certified service center, go on Google and Google it, and they'll all pop up, and there's a bunch of them all over central Arkansas, uh, over in Lone Oak, uh, down in in Pine Bluff, all those areas. And you can find all those folks, and they're typically here on the show from uh, time to time. All right, I've got a 2008 Dodge Charger question for you. This is an SE six-cylinder, 2.7-liter uh, engine. And Joe, we'll let you start on this question this time. It says, uh, I tried to replace the rear brake pads with new ceramic pads. Uh, the pads seemed too thick, and I couldn't get them on the rotor. Finally got one on, but lost the light. So I figure it's better to ask you what could be the problem. Are they... Uh, the correct pad. So let's start with you, Joe. What do you say? Well, he's not pushing the calipers back in properly. Is what's going on there, Dave? Okay. You know, you can't you can't just take that caliper off. You've got to actually push the piston in to make enough room for the new pads. Either that, or his caliper slides are froze up. Won't let the caliper slide back. One, One of the, the two. two. Is there anything that might be happening that's keeping the piston from being pushed back in? Well, it could be froze up, but most of the time it is it's it's a uh, <clears throat> he's not got the proper equipment to, to 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 depress the piston where it doesn't get crooked and bind up. Okay, so now there's there's special equipment. I mean, I remember doing that. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm going back in the day here, <laughs> but you you take a piece of wood and put it on there, and then you would press on either side of the wood so that it would be level, and it would push it right back. But evidently, since I haven't done a brake job in a long, long time, it's uh, changed a little bit. Is that what you're telling me, Joe? Yeah, they got a, <laughs> they, they have special tools for the ones that have the e-brake that's in the, the piston and the ones that are not in the, pit, the e-brake in the piston. You still have a depressing tool that pushes the piston in evenly and squarely so it doesn't get caddy-bumped. It's, it's a... It's it's operator error there that's going on, you know. And I I don't can't remember if that one's got the parking brake on the the caliper or not. I don't remember. I don't think it does. I think it's inside the inside the rotor. Yeah, the, the little drum in there. Got the little shoes but, inside but it. Either way, he, he he's still yeah. not getting it. You know, he's not using the proper technique to push it in. So yeah, and it's a eight model. It could have sludge behind the piston, and he just. You know, I have had to break the bleeder screw loose and let it, you know, squirt the sludge out of it, and then it'll it'll go on in. He's he said he got one on him, so you know he's he's got it almost all the way, but still like probably a quarter of an inch. Yeah, he's you know he's got one old pad and one new pad. That ain't gonna work very well, you know. That, nope. so. <laughs> and he said he got the Wagner part number PD ten fifty seven, and that that number rings a bell. Sounds right, so. He just ain't got yeah, the pistons all the way in. Yeah, he just he's just not getting it done as far as pushing it in. So, all right, difference between being a, a home mechanic and doing this once in a while and taking it to somewhere like a bumper to bumper certified service center and having you all do it, who do it on a daily basis almost. Well, you know what Kenneth says. Yeah, DIY, destroy it, your, <laughs> do it yourself, you know, destroy it yourself. And I and I understand that. I understand saving money, but I also understand that if I don't know exactly how to do something, my chances of doing something wrong are are high, and now I'm going to cost myself even more money. 
they most time do, Dave. I mean, you guys yeah. do this kind of stuff all the time. You know what to do. I mean, that's the key. And you know, you can take you, you can take a small job and, and and really turn it into an expensive one if you don't know what you're doing. And, and 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 you know, there used to be a time when everything on a car was pretty much basic and simple. Yeah. In today's world, it's not like that anymore. Yeah, it's nothing about basic and simple no more. No, it's all about complex. <laughs> not 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 basic in, in any way, shape, or form. And with all the computer modules and everything that you have on them, Lord knows. It could be saying something's wrong, and it's really not that that's wrong. It's something else up the pike or down the pike that's causing the problem. I got one. Hey, there's some, Go ahead, Joe. There, there are some cars that you actually have to have a scan tool before you can depress the pistons on the brake calipers. That's what I was thinking because to say. Because they're electronic. You have to retract them with a scan tool. Well, that's like the truck I drive. It's got that you know active brake system on it. If you got the cruise set up, it run up behind somebody, and it actually it'll lean you forward in the seat. It hit the brake so hard. Ew. I mean, it's um, it, but it works great though. But you know, but you're not gonna hit anything. Oh no, <laughs> no, because the light on the dash starts flashing, the seats the seat starts jumping around, and you know, you you know it. You know. Well, all I know is when I was over and having my car checked on by Joe. He showed me on the computer, and it was 18 different modules. And he said, uh, and my car is 10 years old. And he said, now it's probably three times that many. It's probably got 30. I, I mean, got it's crazy. We got a 2014 Dodge come in. Uh, the guy said, hey, I parked it, took the key out, went in the house, went back the next day, and wouldn't start. Turn over. Got it over, and the light was flashing. So I called him. I said, are you sure this is a correct key that you use every day? He said, that's my key. So, you know what I did, Joe? I said, have you got another key? So, he brought me another key, stuck in it, lit right up. So, he said, can you fix it? And I said, yeah. So, I went and got a key made, and they programmed it. And, you know, but the keys do go bad. They've got a little chip in them, and they do go bad. Yeah, it can happen. You know, you you can take some of those fobs, and if you get them wet or drop them and, and, you know, damage them, you're going to have issues with them. Yeah, and, this uh, is one that's got the, the fob made onto the key. Yeah. A lot of times the green monster will even get to them, too, if they've been wet, like left them out or dropped them in a puddle or something, you know. So. And when we come back, I will explain what the green monster is. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock hour, Joe and Duck are here getting your car questions answered. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, we've got Duck of Duck's Garage here. Uh from over on Airlane Drive in Benton, and Joe from Joe's Garage over on Crystal Hills Road in North Little Rock. Uh, while I got a moment here, I, we wanted to extend our condolences to the Kimball family. Uh, Carl Kimball passed away evidently uh, Monday evening, uh, I found out, and uh, that was a shocker to me because I just talked to Carl just a day or two ago. So how old was before. he, Dave? I think Carl was a couple of years older than I was, so maybe 69. That's what I was thinking. He was in his late 60s. Yeah. I don't think that he had hit 70 years old yet, but, uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he wasn't uh, into his 70s yet. And 
I, I was just stunned by it. I called Joe and told him, and he was stunned by it because yeah, I was too. You know, you you'd seen him, and uh, Carl looked like he was in pretty good shape to me. You know, but uh, hey. yeah, he had an appointment yesterday at eleven thirty at my shop. Oh, talk to me and Susan. Oh, really? Yes. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, uh, you yeah, know, that, that, you know that was that was how bad of a shock it was to me and Susan because Susan talked to him Monday before he left the, the office. Yeah, yeah. He said he said I'll see you guys about eleven thirty tomorrow. We'll talk this insurance thing over and uh, might take you guys to eat lunch. So we're gonna really really miss him. Yeah, I am. I I I posted on my Facebook. I said what I'll miss most about Carl. My history lesson and his great laugh. Yes, yep. he, he yeah. really did. He when he laughed, he laughed from his toes all the way up. Yeah, his whole body shook. Yep, he was a good guy. He was just a really. I mean, uh, we all got to know Carl, and I got to know him from the Axe to Food Tax movement, and I've known him for almost twenty years, and then he became part of my. Uh, non-profit group and that's how i think joe that's how you kind of got to know carl wasn't it yes exactly and uh i called bill edgington and i i could have knocked bill over with a feather <coughs> i gotta tell you he was he was stunned because you know they got together uh quite often watch monday night football together and yeah. uh, uh th- that was uh yeah it was a shock but for people who knew carl kimball uh, he passed away Monday. I have not gotten any information that I can share with you about funeral arrangements. Uh, as I said earlier on my show today, I haven't called B, his wife. She doesn't need me calling and asking those questions yeah. right now. I'll let the shock of because if it shocked me, it it really shocked her and I'm sure their son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, it just if someone's been sick, you kind of get you know get prepared for it. Yeah. But somebody just fall over dead you just don't get prepared for that basically from what i have i've learned that's kind of what happened he went to work out and as he's working out he collapsed and they couldn't revive him so that's what i've heard yeah i i I agree we lost a good one when we lost carl all right we're in the six o'clock hour let's get back to talking about cars here get my mind off of that Okay, you want to talk about 2006 Subaru? Yep. All right, the Subaru Impreza. Listen to this, Joe. A 2.5i, four-cylinder, 2.5 liter. He says, uh, <coughs> the trans fluid clogged after, after uh, I added stop slip. Uh, before this, the trans was working fine. It's a newer car to me. I decided to flush the transmission and replace the filter. Someone recommended that I add a conditioner or stop slip just in case. So I got Lucas stop slip. YouTube guy said to pour it in while the trans was empty and then add the fluid. I added the stop slip, about six to eight ounces. Afterwards, while I was adding the fluid, it overfilled after only two to three quarts. I took the drain plug out. Nothing came out, not even a drip. So I assumed that the thick stop slip clogged it somewhere inside. I ran the car for about an hour to try to heat it up. No change. Trans fluid is still visible at the fill hole. I left it overnight. Checked this morning. Still no change. He says, no idea what to do. 
Do you have any ideas? So let me start it off with Duck. What's the idea here, uh, Duck? Filter's not on it. Oh, Filter's okay. over the drain hole. Really? I have to lay yards. So it's not to stop slip? No. What do you think, Joe? Well, he says that the the dipstick tube's full and it won't go down. Yep. You know, I, I, I've had some concerns about that, and he says he took the drain out of it and nothing will come out. The uh, only thing I can figure is from the way he's describing that is that uh, it must have uh, be so thick that it stopped the, the fill tube up. And it's a possibility, but yeah. I had a customer had one just like this. He said he was going to service it, and the filter yeah. sitting right above the drain hole, and he didn't get it snapped all the way in. It fell off and had the hole plugged up. Oh, no. I re- uh, uh, Fred reached up there with a screwdriver and picked up on the filter, let the fluid out of it, caught it in a clean pan, dropped it down, put the filter up, and snapped it. It's just like them old General Motors, Joe, you know, where they used to fall off if you didn't get it snapped all the way in? That's the same yeah. way this one did. So he got to pull the pan back off anyway. So if he didn't burn the transmission up by the filter being being loose by running it for an hour and ain't getting no fluid going through it, hmm, that's interesting. Could be expensive, couldn't it, Joe? Yes, very much. Well, and let me ask you. I'm on it. Let me open this question up a little bit. You know, there's stop leak for radiators and all kinds of stuff. You put that stuff into your car, well, it might stop the leak, but there's other things that it might stop up as well. Am I correct with that, Duck? Yes. Heater cores. People put it in the radiator. Heater cores. It'll stop the heater core up. Then you can't figure out how come a heater ain't working no more. Stop the radiator up, don't they, Joe? Well, you know, we've talked about additives before. They're 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 not. You, there is no mechanic in a can. Nope. Some additives and and fuel uh, injection cleaners they have a purpose and they serve it well. Yep. But anything in a can that is supposed to stop the transmission from slipping, it's only a temporary fix if it works. Not saying it will or it won't. But, you know, the only way I would ever pour anything like that in my vehicle is if I was traveling and I was just trying to get home. Yep, that's just what I was thinking. you're going to have to rebuild that transmission anyway yep. because it's slipping already. Well, it's, it's kind of like the hang-on battery cables. You know, them they're, yeah. they're made to get you to you can get it repaired right. Well, it's like that tire you put on for a flat. Yes, that's not a tire that you want to drive around on for, for months on, on a time, although people but do you it. you see people every day doing it. Yeah, and it says don't go over 55 miles an hour. Well, the car that passed me today doing 90 on 67, I can tell you uh, he wasn't paying attention to that. That thing could have come apart. Clint's got one over the wrecking yard. He's got four of them on it. <laughs> got a laugh on that. He's got, And one of them went flat, and that's why he got it off the interstate. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. Do what, Joe? He he had his and all his roommate spares on there, and they run out. He did. That's, <laughs> That's exactly, amazing. You know, I can't imagine seeing a car with four of those little hard it, tires. It looks funny, Joe. It looks funny, Dave. I can only imagine that that looks funny. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But, you know, 
that's that operator error that we talk about. And, and again, we go back to, I know people want to save money. I want to save money. Joe will tell you that, that, you know, we come in, we, we start, we start yeah, we look at, at issues with cars and you go, well, you got this and maybe you got two other issues. Well, sometimes you got to prioritize and you go, well, which one of them do I have to fix so that the car will run and I can get to work so that I can make enough money to take care of the next two? But sometimes, Dave, you fix one problem and it cures the other two. Yeah. You know, you look at the computer and it may have seven, eight codes in it, but only one code would make all the rest of them set, don't it, Joe? Yeah, you can have uh, an issue with one fuel management problem and you'll set o2 codes converter codes uh engine misfire codes and and so you know that's what we say a lot of times that a code test is not a is is not a diagnosis it is a helping guide to point us in the right direction where to go test and see exactly what's wrong ashley's and, and, uh, father come in yesterday he's got a say the 14 or 15 jeep with the little v6 in it check engine light on russell goes out there and scans it comes back in there and says we've got to put a thermostat in it that's how yeah. how these computers keep up with everything nowadays right. it's not well, getting the up to operate temperature. To, yeah the engine wasn't coming to operate temp probably had some codes in there also for uh the o2's not switching staying too rich too long it had eight codes that's in because it because it was running too rich you know yeah had eight codes in it and but the main one mm-hmm. was thermostat not opening wow wow all right we got a 2003 dodge ram this is a 1500 slt eight cylinder 4.7 liter engine i have a 2003 dodge ram 1500 4.7 liter magnum r rear wheel drive and it has a pretty bad oil leak. I noticed it just in time, and it looks like it could be because of the oil pan gasket. I'm working on doing the repair by myself to save the money, but it seems like it's an involved procedure. Famous line right there. Yep. Uh, I hear a lot that I have to take the oil pickup tube in order to get the windage tray out. I'm curious to see if it is possible to just lift the front end up, take the oil pan and the oil pan gasket windage tray out with having, out having to repla- remove the pickup tube or raise the motor. No. So there's a lot of – there's a couple questions there, but the most important line, Joe, in that question was – and let me read it to everybody – I am working on doing the repair by myself to save the money, but it seems like it's an involved procedure. All right, that that's an important line right there. Is it involved to the point that you can't do it? That's the question. And if you try to do it, it's going to cost you more money. So uh, let's go to Joe and let him talk about this one. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I'm going to tell you, with that engine size, and he says it's leaking, the oil pan's leaking. You know, the oil pan is the absolute lowest thing on an engine. And it gets misdiagnosed all the time because it's the lowest point. Oil runs downhill, gravity says that, drips off the oil pan. That particular engine, I'd be willing to guess right now, 
that the oil pan's not leaking, but most likely it's the oil filter adapter that's got the leak and is running down and dripping off the oil pan. Because I very rarely put oil pan gaskets on that size engine that year, Mo. How about you, Doug? Same thing, Joe. And that's when I was reading it before, you know, before Dave got through with it, and that's the first thing I thought, nah, needs oil filter housing on it. Yeah. I've seen them crack, but most time it's just that little rubber gasket leaking on it. And most time the bolts are loose, and it's what's causing it. Not not real loose, but they're loose enough to let it, you know, because you got sixty pounds of oil pressure there, and it's going to leak out. Well, they get old, and the rubbers and the gaskets get hard, and they don't seal up like they're supposed to. But you know, today's world of gaskets, these gaskets we have today are so much better than what we used to have oh, because yeah. you can drive an engine for one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand miles before it does have any oil leaks. There was a time that you would have oil leaks when they had forty, fifty thousand miles on them because of the quality of the gaskets and the engine design and what they're made out of. So. You pull a rear main oil cell out, and it's hard as a brick. You know the rubber. That's correct. All right. So, and, and go ahead, finish up, Joe. I said, and that's the world we live in. And so, but you have to remember if he if he takes it in, if he's looking at the bottom of it and it's dripping off the oil pan. That doesn't necessarily mean the oil pan's leaking. That's where all oil's going to drip off because it's the lowest yep. point on the engine. All right. With that said, we got a final break that we got to get to. Joe and Duck will be back for one final segment. Remember that if you have a question, all you have to do is send it to Dave at SalemLR, S A L E M L R dot com. And uh, if you send it to me when I have these guys on the next time, then uh, I'll ask them the question and, uh, and get an answer for you. So uh, stick around. we got one more segment to go here on the 6 o'clock edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Final segment with uh, Joe at Joe's Garage over at Crystal Hills Road, North Little Rock, and Duck of Duck's Garage here uh, from over in Benton. And uh, he's over on uh, Fairlane, right? Yep. Airlane. Uh, Airlane. I always want to say Fairlane because that's the car. Yeah. Airlane Drive, and that, that's over by the new Boys and Girls Club. Uh, of course, they've been doing uh, a, a weekly show with me for years uh, here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, we're going to continue doing it Somebody for as long as we can. Somebody asked me the other day how long we'd been on. I said, I, I said, Joe's been on two or three years before I have, and I said, I've probably been on it 15 now. Now, Joe has been with me, what, 19 years now, Joe? I don't know, Dave, a long time. <laughs> I think it was 19 years. So if we say uh, you came on about three years, I think it was about two years after Joe got started. Uh, you've been on about 17 years. Yeah, that's that's what I told somebody. It's been a long time. 15, 17 years, you know, I, that's what I told him. I said, I, I don't know. I don't keep up count. I ain't good about keeping them kind of numbers in my head. <laughs> I don't want to keep those numbers in my head. I, well, all I got, it makes me do is feel a whole lot older. And I got, you know, there's so much other stuff that me and Joe, and you know, we have to make sure we maintain and keep and, uh, you know, to make sure the business is up making, you know, making a living for all of us to do it. Well, I, I, I told everybody Monday when I came on that this album was 49 years old. It was Jesus Christ Superstar. Yep. Came out in 1971, 49 years ago. And I read that and I thought, 
Dave, you're not a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're just not a young man. With us, ain't it, Dave? You're not a young man anymore, sir. So you know that that was my senior year in high school that 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 album came out. Unbelievable. All okay, right. Before we do another question, sure. Uh, let's give a bumper to bumper another plug. Yeah, go ahead. You know, Joe, I I use bumper to bumper. You use bumper to bumper. Joe, tell them why we use bumper to bumper. Well, you know, as well as I do, it's the quality of the parts and the availability of the parts with the big warehouse here in town, the distribution center. And, you know, they they they, they, they just take care of us in all ways, especially offering us uh, as a CSC a 24-month, 24,000-mile warranty. And, and you know, you, you just can't, you can't get any better than that as far as the quality of the parts, quality of the service, and quality of the warranty. So that's that's why we do it. And the quality of the people. That's correct. I mean, the quality of the people goes a long way in my book because I can call any of them and talk to any of them that I need to talk to. You know, from Crow. From the top to the bottom. Yeah. You know, from Crow to Jerry Rocher to Kenneth Payne, you know, they're just all good people, aren't they, Joe? Yes, sir. They sure are. That's, that's one reason we do business with them. All right. So, Joe, we got us a 2011 GMC Arcadia Denali. Six-cylinder, 3.6-liter. It says, front passenger window and door lock quit working. It also does not work using the driver's side switch. What could be wrong? This broke. (laughs) (laughs) Man, Dave got the question right. I did. I got it right. Yeah, my my thinking on that first thing I'd be looking at the door lock and the window. The window not work. It's it's most likely the wiring in the door jam. Yep, where it where it bends in the rubber in the rubber boot. That's That's where I'd be looking. Yep, pull the rubber boot back and start pulling on the wires, and you'll find one of them broke. Okay, so all you guys do is just pull that that boot back. You don't have to cut it open. You just pull it back. Oh, you some boat it, slide it all the way over. Okay, and it, and it's tight working in there, but just there's enough room. Okay, now if you find a broken wire, do you just twist it back together? Solder it. Oh, you solder it. Put together. a piece of shrink on it. Okay. Yep. You have to do. You, do you take and put a cap on it? No. Make sure that you twist it together. Then you drop some solder on it, and then slide a piece of heat shrink over it. And, Hate it, and that way it seals it so no water can get in it. There again, you was talking about the green monster. That stops the green monster from coming in. Yeah, now see it. Now, I'm glad you reminded me. we got two minutes. Joe, tell everybody what the yep. green monster is, because you, you're the one who's explained what the magic smoke is. Why don't you go, <laughs> go ahead and explain what the green monster is? The green monster is what happens to an electrical component when it gets moisture or water on it and dries out. It turns into, it starts to oxidize and deteriorate, and and copper wires turn green just like the Statue of Liberty in New York City. The reason it's green colored like that? Because it's, it's copper. made out of copper. A lot of pennies there. You, can, you know, <laughs> and, and that's a that. good way of describing it, Dave. If anybody's ever had a penny that got wet and went back and looked at it after it dried, it'll turn green and mm-hmm. you'll see it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And the electrical components are—they do the same thing. And once it gets like that, you can never fix it. I don't care how much you clean it and 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 try and use any type of electrical component cleaner, lubricant, or whatever. It's never going away. The only way to fix that is replace the electrical component. And that's the reason why, after you have hurricanes 
and suddenly you see people selling used cars cheaply run you might want to move away from that buy especially if it came from that area correct be good for about six months and then that's when you start having trouble it takes the green mind for about six months start growing all right Thank Guys, you, Joe. We're out of time. Joe, I got to let you go. Hope we see you in the studio next week, brother. Yes, sir. All thank right. You, Dave. We'll talk to you then. Duck, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Dave. See you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It'll be J.R. Davis and Seth Mays with me.